Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, June the 27th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, some announcements for the Locked On Network as I enter year two in the big chair. Where do Dolphins fans rank among the other NFL fan bases? Plus, we step into the lab and examine some data in regards to the Dolphins passing game. And lastly, we reopen yesterday's Twitter mailbag, But first, I kindly invite all of you that haven't done so already to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating, give us a review, helps the podcast grow. You guys know the drill by now. Give me a follow on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins. And of course, check out LockdownDolphins.com. The data on Ryan Tannehill's likely preseason projected snaps are up on there right now. And of course, the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts like the Lockdown Heat podcast and Lockdown NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We got a slow news day today, but we have a busy day on the podcast here. So let's go ahead and kick things off. That's another Miami Dolphins. First item on the agenda today, talking about just relatively, I, I, I suppose, relevant Dolphins news is a study that was recently published by Emory University, and it actually has some backing to it that holds up in regards to validity, and they have three measurement rankings here. It's fan equity, social equity, and road equity. Fan equity is talking about basically how much the fan base is willing to open their wallets. And even living up here in the Pacific Northwest, I see tons of Dolphins gear all the time. Not tons, but enough to where it's like, wow, that guy's wearing Miami Dolphins gear up here in Seattle. And so you can see that there's actually legitimacy behind that or I guess in top top half of the league at number 15 in social equity. And that's basically a social media presence as in Dolphins fans outside of actually going to the game. This one surprises me. They're ranked 23rd out of the 32 teams because our Twitter following on Dolphins Twitter is huge. There are fans everywhere you go. It just seems like there'd be a higher rank for social equality. Maybe those fans that we see on the on game day at the stadiums, at the road stadiums, are not maybe on social media as much as we are. And then you go over to the road equity, and now I've answered my own question. This is how well the fan base travels. The Dolphins rank number nine in this one. And turn on any Dolphins game on the road, you'll see a good contingency of Dolphins fans in there. Usually a pretty vocal crowd in one particular section. We've seen the Meadowlands, uh, the MetLife takeover in the Meadowlands at New Jersey. We've seen last year with the Chargers game when the Dolphins fans just completely took over that little soccer stadium there. So the Dolphins rank 14th among all 32 teams in regards to overall best fans in the NFL. And this this is actually a legitimate article, so check that out. You can find that. I believe it's uh, just the Emory, Emory University NFL fan and brand report from 2018. The next article up on the docket is from Bleacher Report talking about each team's most disappointing player or which player that you just acquired. No, it wasn't new acquisitions. It was any player in general that will disappoint the most on the roster. And the Author was Doug Farrar, I think is how you say it, of Bleacher Report. And he said that Josh Sitton would be the most disappointing player on the roster. Talking about his injury history, how he's missed six games over the last two years, three games each season for the Chicago Bears, which ultimately forced them to cut Sitton, their left guard. And in the same sentence that he talks about Sitton being 
an overrated player because of his injury history. He praises Mike Pouncey and how the Dolphins will miss having him on the roster. So I thought that was pretty hypocritical and pretty funny. And it got me thinking to who my most disappointing player would be. And I think Devontae Parker at this point has used up all of his options to use a baseball term in that regard. So I'm not going to use him. But I think other than that, I'll go with Robert Quinn on the defense just because I think Charles Harris is going to be a better player. And so I think you could almost get like a Mario Williams type of thing here. Not that bad but where Mario Williams is getting snaps when he shouldn't be, guys behind him are better and more productive. So I'm going to go with Robert Quinn just because I think expectations might be a little bit too high on him. So that's about it for the news, guys. We do have some personal news for the show here. We have a couple of announcements to make, and I'll go ahead and do that right now. First up is that we are no longer in partnership with FanRag Sports. They have branched off. They were bought by FanCred. I believe it's a sports app. I don't know much about that but we no longer are in association with FanRag. So my columns will not be up on FanRagSports.com. So if you guys find me that way, I don't know why you would, but if you do, I'm not going to be there anymore. So you can go ahead and just scrap that whole avenue there. However, we do have a renewed partnership with one of our very, very good partners that we had last year as well. And this one gives us even more publication rights. I'm talking, of course, about ProFootballFocus.com and their elite membership package. All the lockdown hosts get access to the elite membership package through PFF. And I now have full publication rights to tell you guys their grading system, their advanced stats, their signature stats, all the advanced metrics they offer there and some of the great stuff they do. And we'll talk a little bit more about them in the next segment here, but it's just really cool to have this partnership and be able to relay this information to you guys through the Lockdown Network. So we can continue to go ahead and have that. No more fan rag, pro football focus, staying around for the long haul. And Going through some of these changes and updates to the network just kind of reminds me of how far we've come already. And this is only month number 11 for me in the big chair. I'm coming up on year two. And I looked back at some of my previous stats from the first couple of podcasts we did. And I only had like 35 to 50. Sometimes there were 70 downloads per episode of the podcast. And that was during August when training camp and, and the games were happening into September. We went up a little bit in the season, but things really took off this off season to where now we're doing about 1500 downloads per episode. So it's just absolutely amazing. It's entirely humbling, but above all of that, it just makes me hungry to make this thing even more of a conglomerate and encompass the entirety of Dolphins Nation. I know there are a lot more than just 1500 Dolphins fans out there in the in existence. And while this podcast isn't for everybody, I do pride myself in teaching you something every time I record a podcast, whether it's data, whether it's film study, whether it's just a cool nugget or a, a story from the past that I recall from my lifelong Dolphins fandom. And I think that for the most part, I have done that. So a big thank you to all of those of you that have been with me from the very beginning. A thank you to those of you that are new to the show and continue to subscribe and listen and onward towards bigger and better things for the podcast, for the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. And speaking again of Pro Football Focus, we are going to dive into some advanced data from the passing game for the Miami Dolphins here next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. It's at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. Plowing ahead into segment number two on this Wednesday podcast, the June 20, the 7th podcast. And this next topic came from a conversation I had with Corey Ashburn. He's at Corhey with two Y's, 13 on Twitter. He's a good buddy of the podcast, longtime listener, and we have some good stuff on Twitter with him going back and forth. But we were talking about a tweet that I sent out in regards to the Oakland Raiders 2016 versus their 2017 passing game with Derek Carr. And in 2016, Derek Carr had a 96.7 passer rating. And when I did the 3rd and 10 website, I talked about how 
That offense was a lot of vertical routes with fantastic pass protection, and then Carr would take his chance for a one-on-one down the field. And a lot of times, more often than not, it seemed, Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, even Seth Roberts would pull one down. And if that wasn't there, the way the line protected, they would get deep down the field, erase all the secondary, and then he'd have a little dump off on an arrow route or a choice route to the running back who could run free. So their offense was based on pure dominance on the offensive line and quality wide receiver play. And that year they had Amari Cooper ranked number 22 on PFF grades, Michael Crabtree number 48. The next year Cooper has a huge down year going to 86th. Crabtree reverts back 20 places to 68th. Derek Carr's passer rating drops 12.3 points down to 86.4. One year he's an MVP candidate. The next he is a complete afterthought and someone that is basically being questioned now as to as to what kind of player he is going forward, much in the way that Ryan Tannehill is. And so Corey asked me to give him the stats on the on the Dolphins wide receivers from Jar, uh, from Ryan Tannehill to Jay Cutler. And in 2016, Jarvis Landry was the 14th best receiver on Pro Football Focus. Devontae Parker, 23rd, and Kenny Still, 79 out of 119. And then you go forward to 2017 with Jay Cutler. Jarvis Landry goes back 14 spots to 28th. Devontae Parker falls 33 spots to 55th. And Kenny Stills falls completely out of relevance. He was graded 117th of 118 wide receivers in the NFL. Second to last, only to the guy I just mentioned, Seth Roberts. So here... Our PFF just hating what Jarv- what Kenny Stills does. As much as I love PFF, I think their advanced stats and their metrics are f- terrific and absolutely fantastic. I think these grades sometimes can be a bit off base just because it's very difficult to tell what the exact assignment is. And they have their own metric for how they make these grades. I just don't necessarily think it's 100% valid when it comes to the film study because you watch Kenny Stills and what he does with the clear out routes, his deep ball efficiency, and the way he just kind of sets the offense up. I don't think that that's even close to where he should be among the NFL hierarchy. I think he's been one of the better receivers on the Dolphins roster in general the last couple of years. And in particular on what Ryan Tannehill was able to do as a deep passer and shifting gears here towards Ryan Tannehill in the passing game and what he was able to do in throwing the football down the field. I have the metrics here on the charting project, which is going to have a mega piece up, I think this Sunday, if not the following Sunday, talking about all things Ryan Tannehill 2016, what we can expect going forward in 2018 with his game. But you look at his deep ball numbers, throwing to the left, 21 yards plus down the field. He was nine for 21 with accurate footballs. And three of those were Devontae Parker plays where Parker jumps too early and two of them, the pass gets picked off. So that's part of the inaccuracy there. Down the middle of the football field between the between the numbers, 21 plus yards, six of 10. So 60% throwing the football down the field and then four out of seven to the right side of the field. So you can kind of see where he favors himself there. A very accurate passer in the 16, 20 yard range. He was on target 68.2% of the time. You come back to 11 through 15 yards. He was on target 70.7% of the time. That's a very high accuracy mark for anything beyond 10 yards at 70%. A very impressive number. And then you go back to the 1 through 10 yards. He was at 78.9% with accuracy throws. That number actually could probably stand to go up a little bit. But those top three numbers are all above the league average in terms of the accuracy rate to those particular levels of the football field. And particularly down the field where Ryan Tannehill has this misnomer about his inability to throw the football deep so we'll be able to find a lot more of that information in that piece on the Ryan Tannehill 2016 comprehensive scouting report and 
We will be charting those games throughout the course of the season, giving you guys live documents in season rather than going back two years and looking at old games. We'll also have Tannehill Tuesdays where I'll tweet out gifs of his plays from the previous game on Sunday. And one more topic about Ryan Tannehill here moving forward was a comment I saw on Twitter about how they can cut Ryan Tannehill after the 2018 season after this year if it doesn't go well. And I'm not so sure about that because you roll back his cap hit and you see what it is. If they do that, it's a $13.6 million cap penalty which, sure, you could do that, but I don't know if you want to when you have a quarterback that's definitely capable of, at worst, being a good starter. And after 2019, you can cut him for a $5.5 million cap. So that's probably more likely. So if the Dolphins were to stumble a little bit this year and decide they have to make a move to draft a quarterback, this class this season is actually not anywhere near as bad as people are billing it up to be, or at least it has an opportunity to get to a level where it's not as bad as some folks think it will be. So if the Dolphins are in a position to draft a quarterback, there's a list of guys that I'm I'm intrigued by going into the season, want to watch more of them this season in 2018 and get a good feel for them. They are, of course, Jared Stidham, the Auburn kid, looks fantastic last year, and I'm looking forward to see what he can do this year. Jake Bentley out of South Carolina had a nice rebound to the end of the year last year. He looks pretty sharp. Nick Fitzgerald from Mississippi State, good-looking quarterback. Drew Locke from Missouri, he could have came out this year, decided to go back, hoping to get to that number one spot. And then West Virginia's Will Greer is a very interesting case. People don't really seem to know where to place him in regards to is he a system quarterback or is he really that talented? But the guy that I have my eye on, and I've, I've, I saw him tear apart my Washington State Cougars in last year's Holiday Bowl. He was fantastic late in the season for Michigan State. Brian Lewerke has high-level processing intelligence in terms of being a cerebral quarterback. He has elite athleticism for the quarterback position. He's very accurate, has the big arm. Looking forward to seeing what he can do this year in the Big Ten. But all of this is to say that I don't even think Miami's going to be in the market for a starting quarterback, but if they do draft one, he'll probably have to sit and and deal with the whole Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield situation this year that Cleveland has. That'll be the Dolphins next year, I think is the worst case scenario as far as Ryan Tannehill's career is concerned. And then maybe in 2019, if the rookie shows that he's a better player than Tannehill, you can cut Tannehill and go to the rookie at that point. But I don't think we're going to get there. Hopefully this year, David Fales even allows them to avoid not just a starter in the draft, but altogether and continue to build this roster around the quarterback and make him successful rather than trying to find a new one every year as some teams seem to get on that hamster wheel. All right, guys, we have a little bit more to get to on the podcast, including your questions left over from yesterday on the Twitter mailbag and the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. I say this every time we do the Twitter mailbag segment here on the podcast, and I'll say it again. You guys continue to write fantastic questions, and you really do write the content for the episode when you do that, so it's greatly appreciated. And because of that, I want to get to the one, two, three, four, five questions I have left over that I wasn't able to get to yesterday just because you guys posted them after I recorded. But the first question here comes from Ron at 101 Cali. Will Miami ever get the running back screen to work? For a long time, Ryan Tannehill had a problem throwing that particular pass. I don't know if it was the fadeaway slash touch pass where you kind of have to finesse the ball over there. Whatever it was, he was not very accurate in that regard, didn't put a lot of air under it. And so you have a hard time letting that play develop. So I think that he's gotten a little bit better in that regard. I believe Adam Gaze knows better than what previous Dolphins coaching staffs have 
in regards to when what when the right time is to call a screen or call a particular play. So I think yes, this year could be better, especially with Kenyon Drake, because Jay Ajayi was a dreadful receiver that didn't know the landmarks, didn't really know how to keep his feet square underneath him. Just wasn't he was crazy late back there. So this year the Dolphins should be much better throwing the football to running backs. Next question comes from Neil Coffey at CrazyZach54. Is this the year Gaze finally utilizes Jakeem Grant's talent? 100% believe he will. Have an article up on Locked On Dolphins right now titled Jakeem Grant, The Secret Weapon. I think he's going to have a big, big year and have a big impact with highly explosive plays in the offense. Next question comes from Sean Blanche. It's at Sean Blanche. What is the floor, median, and ceiling for Kenyon Drake in 2018? I think the floor is basically if he gets injured because this is a guy that has just shown superstar potential when he's gotten a chance in the NFL. Going back to his Alabama days, his brief glimpses on the field down there, he showed a lot as well. So I think his floor probably would be like 500, 600 rushing yards if he got injured. I think his median probably... I would expect nothing less than like eight to 900 yards for him. And the ceiling, I think he could get himself up to 1,200 rushing yards. But I think where his biggest impact could come is from yards from scrimmage. And he could challenge for, you know, 15, 16, 1,700 yards from scrimmage. And I expect him to be in that role if he is healthy this year. All right, next question comes from Ocean Jackson. That's at Ocean underscore Jackson. Do you expect Gavin Escobar to make the team? I haven't heard much about him throughout minicamp. And you haven't heard much about him from me either because I, I just don't see much of a point to getting into him because he's bounced around the league. He didn't live up to the fact that he was a high draft pick or a mid-round draft pick, I should say. And he doesn't do a whole lot well in regards to the passing game or as a run blocker or in the pass blocking game. There's just nothing that is special about him. And I think he has two rookies and Marquise Gray and AJ Derby both ahead of him on the depth chart. So I think he is a camp body and just here to kind of maybe play the Y position while Durham Smythe gets up to speed. Next question comes from Kyle Romano. It's at TW underscore titterpated. So Twitterpated, I guess. You may have covered this previously, but how long does it take Ryan Tannehill to shake off the rust and nerves? I don't know if he's the kind of guy that'll let that affect him as re- in as it pertains to nerves, but rust, you can expect there to be a little bit there. I, It's tough to say. I think they're going to get him enough reps in preseason where he feels comfortable with game speed. And I know it's not quite the same, but I do think that it may be maybe a quarter, a half, maybe a game. I just don't think it's going to be that long this year. So I would say that by week two, he should be all straightened out and ready to go. And I think that's going to be considered blasphemous given the fact that it's going to be 637 days since his last game. But I think this is a guy that's a grinder. He's a hard worker. He's not going to let himself go onto a field unprepared. So not very long. All right, guys, I'm about done with this podcast, but first I got to remind you about a couple of things on LockedOnDolphins.com. The Know the Enemy series, I should have the Oakland Raiders piece up and posted for you guys by the time you hear this podcast talking about what they offer in terms of newcomers and how they can challenge the Dolphins in that week three matchup down in South Florida. I have training camp preview pieces coming out. I've already written the quarterback one. I love the way it sounds and the way it reads talking about where these quarterbacks are, where they have been, what their cap hits are, the expectations for them this year, and who makes the overall roster. We'll do that for every single position. It'll be a 10-part series coming out around mid-July, so we have all of that to come. But it's time to say goodbye for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast here. You guys be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review once you are there. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at LethalNFL. Follow the show at LockdownFans and follow our flagship show at LockdownNFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. Check out LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a terrific rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.
Let's make some music, make some money, find some models for a while.